Hey everybody, it's Brian again. It's good to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. This sermon that you're about to hear was preached on Sunday, April 2nd, 2017 at Mount Hope's Belmont campus in Belmont, Massachusetts. If you're someone that follows Jesus with your life, uh, you know one of the things you're supposed to do is you're supposed to tell other people about Jesus. Uh, But that can be a difficult thing to do. And so in this sermon, we talk about how that could look in our lives, and how sometimes we make it more complicated than it needs to be. If you're someone that doesn't follow Jesus with your life yet, uh, you may be wondering why it is that Christians are so intent on telling other people about Jesus. I think we'll answer that question for you as well in this talk. So thanks for taking the time to listen, and I hope you listen closely, because I really believe that God has something he wants to say to you. Listen, the conversation we're going to have this morning, the conversation that we're going to have together over the next few minutes, this is going to be a little bit different, a little bit different than um, maybe what we normally do. This is going to be um, a little bit of a discussion that we want to have as we walk into the next few weeks of the year. You may say, well, why are we doing this discussion now? Why have this discussion today? Well, I think that'll become clear as we walk through uh, together over the next few minutes. I want you to think back with me, if you would. I want you to think back uh, to a time that you heard a band or a piece of music. It could have been a solo artist. It could have been a, a group uh, it could have been, you know, maybe the first time like a, a U2 came on the radio, the first time you ever heard that, the first time the Beatles came on television. Think back, when is the, you heard a song, uh, it could have been a solo song, could have been a band, could have been a piece of classical music, if that's your thing. And you said to yourself, other people have to hear this. You heard a piece of music, or maybe you saw a movie, or maybe you read a book, Or maybe you heard someone speak and you thought to yourself, other people need to hear about this. And so you went to your friends and you said, you need to listen to this music. You need to read this book. You need to watch this movie. You need to go hear this person speak. I bet all of us have had that experience before. And if we haven't been the person who's saying it, we've certainly had people come to us and say, you need to see this movie. You need to read this book. You have to listen to this uh, cassette tape, maybe, or CD, or album. You have to listen to this thing. We've had that experience. You know, there's this fancy word uh, that we use in church world, and the word is disciple. And it's a word that you don't hear too often outside of church. You hear about Jesus and his 12 disciples. We say that anybody who would follow Jesus with their life is a disciple of Jesus. What I wanted to suggest to you in this moment is that we are all disciples of something. That everybody in this world is a disciple of something. Disciple means follower. It means adherent. And everybody in this world, everybody you'll see in this room, everybody that you walk out, they're a disciple of someone or something. It's really what we do on a lot of social media. Someone has a Twitter handle We follow them on Twitter, and we are now their group. We are their disciples. We're following them, and when they say something we think other people should hear, we share it and we retweet it with other people because we think other people should know these things and other people should hear these things. There are certainly disciples of companies. There are Apple disciples out there, aren't there? 
people who only use Apple products, and maybe this is you, and they think that everybody in the world should use Apple products. Yeah, some of you, I know that you are, you are in that crew. You are Steve Jobs and Apple disciples, and everybody should use those products. Some of you might be the same way with Samsung, and some of you may be the same way with Microsoft or Apple, or Samsung. But the people are disciples of all sorts of different things. There's disciples when it comes to politics. People follow politicians. People follow parties. And they're disciples of ideals and ideas. And they take those and they share them with other people. Here's what's true about disciples, no matter what it is that you're following. There's one thing that's true. Whether you're a disciple of a certain movie whether you're a disciple of a, of, a, of a musician, whether you're a disciple following an idea or a person or a company, there's something true about all disciples, and that is that good disciples make other disciples. Good followers encourage other people to follow. So if you are in love with a band... If you're a good follower of that band, at some point, you're going to share with somebody else. You should, you should listen to this band as well. Good disciples make disciples. If you're someone that uses a product and you love the product, you love the gadget, if you're really a good disciple, you will go and share that with people. It's something that just happens naturally. It's not something we have to try. When we love something, we just share it with somebody else. A few months ago, uh, there was a whole group of us. And we went to see a comedy show down in Boston, and, the, and we went and saw this comedian. And the whole group that was there that was going to see this, this one comedian, uh, we were all there because one person in that group had at one point come across this comedian uh, on television. And then they went and they told one of the other people in the group. And that person told another person, and that person told another person, and we all kept talking about this comedian. And then when he came to Boston, we all went down into the city together, and we went to his show. Because that's exactly what happens with disciples. When one person chooses to follow, and they're sold out for it, they're going to create other followers, and they're going to say, you should watch this. You should listen to this. You should see this. And we do that with music and companies and movies and books and people. Now, here's the, the, the insider piece that we're going to talk about this morning. And by insider, I mean, if you're someone who's in the room and you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, most of what we're going to talk about this morning is for you. And if you're in the room and you're like, I'm not there yet. I don't follow Jesus. I think it's interesting. I think it's all right, but I'm not there yet. I haven't thrown myself into this thing. I'm not sure what the deal is with all of this. That's okay. I'm glad that you're here because I think today you're going to hear a little bit of our heart and why we do some of the things that we do. A good disciple makes disciples. The same is true uh, when it comes to following Jesus. Those of us who follow Jesus, we are disciples of Jesus. Jesus had 12 disciples when he was here on this earth. But anyone who would follow him is a disciple, a follower, an adherent. And in the same way that a good disciple of anything makes disciples, it's the same when it comes to following Jesus Christ. That good disciples make disciples. Jesus himself, Jesus himself made this clear when he called his original 12 disciples. Some of them were fishermen. 
right? And if you know the story, if you grew up in Sunday school, you heard the story, you saw the flannel graph, you watched the thing, you remember this. Jesus went and he called these guys who were tending their nets, their fishing nets, and he said to me, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men, right? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So right off the bat, he's saying to them, listen, you follow me, but as you're following me, bring more followers. And when he left this earth, there's this book called Matthew. And at the very last chapter of Matthew, Matthew is a, is a story of Jesus' life. The very last chapter is chapter 28. Jesus is leaving this earth. And he says to those same disciples, the same ones when he called them, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He says to them at the very end, go into all the world. And does anyone know? What does he say? Make disciples. Go into all the world and make disciples. Jesus expected this of his disciples. Jesus would say, listen, if you're a good follower of me, if you're a good disciple of me, you will be making disciples. That's part of what it looks like to be a follower, is that you'll invite other people to come and follow. Now, here's what I bet uh, is, is true about many of us. This is true about me a lot of times, and I bet it's true about you as well. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I, I'm going to make a couple of assumptions about you, if that's okay. I know it's dangerous. But you're a follower of Jesus. You love him and serve him. I'm going to assume that your heart is that you would love to see other people follow him too. You found something amazing in Jesus Christ satisfaction and purpose and love and fulfillment. You would love for other people in this world who are searching to find that as well. I'm also going to assume assume that in your daily life, in your day-to-day life, you are surrounded by people who do not follow Jesus, especially living here in the Northeast. If you live in the Northeast, you are surrounded by people who do not follow Jesus with their life. Is that fair to say? People at your work, people in your family, people in your neighborhood, they don't choose to follow Jesus. Now, we want them to follow Jesus, and we know that good disciples make disciples. But here's my final assumption for you. It is really, really difficult to motivate yourself to go out and to boldly try to make disciples. That's a challenging thing for you. It's a challenging thing for me. How do I walk out into this world? Because I believe that this is true. I try to follow Jesus with my life as best I can. And I think other people should too. I think this is the answer that people are looking for. But the idea of walking out into this world where there's so many people that don't follow and being that person that just makes disciples, that tells the story, that says to other people, you should follow this guy too, is a really challenging thing. And it's not something that we do that often, if we're honest. Even though we'd say it's important, and even though if we took a survey right now and we said, hey, do you think it's important to make other followers of Jesus? Uh, If you're a follower of Jesus, you'd strongly agree, or you'd agree. The reality of going out and doing that is a daunting task to us. Much easier to tell people to listen to a band or read a book or go see a movie than it is to tell them to follow Jesus. Now, why is that? Why is that the case? Why is it so easy for us to try to help other people follow certain things, but it's so difficult for us to walk up to somebody and talk to somebody and say, I follow Jesus, you should too. 
I think there's many reasons why it's difficult. But I'll give us a couple. I think most of us feel like we're not equipped to answer the arguments and the questions that are going to come. People, we feel like people have maybe thought about this more than us. They've read about it more than us. And we know that if we say, hey, I follow Jesus, you should follow him too, that they're going to fire back questions at us that we're not ready to answer. And so rather than get into an argument, rather than get into a debate, we don't want to have the argument, we don't want to have the debate, so we just don't say it at all, and that way we avoid the argument and we avoid the debate. I think that's one reason. I think another reason is we feel like we just don't have the personality, right? Someone that convinces people to follow Jesus is the kind of person that would walk into Boston Common, set up a milk crate, stand up on it, and start shouting at everybody uh, who they are and where they're going and what they should do. And we say to ourselves, I'm just not that type of person. I'm not the kind of person that's going to fill a room or fill an arena and tell everybody what they're supposed to do. That's not me at all. And so because we don't want to get into arguments and it's not our personality, we just don't do it. And I think another big reason we don't do this is we just don't want to deal with the hostility that's going to come back at us. We're afraid of that. I don't know if you've noticed, it's becoming less and less popular in our culture to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you haven't noticed that, I would highly encourage you to get out of your house at some point or turn on a television or something. Because it is becoming less and less popular to be a follower of Jesus. In fact, it's offensive to many people. And so we just don't want to deal with the hostility that might come our way. We're not sure if it will. We're not sure how the other person feels. But there's a chance that they're going to be very hostile towards us. And we just don't want to deal with that. And so we don't say anything. And so we have this dilemma going on in our lives as followers of Jesus. On the one hand, we know we're supposed to share this message. We know we're supposed to make disciples. We know we're supposed to encourage other people to follow. But on the other hand, we don't feel like we're smart enough. We don't feel like we're equipped enough. And we don't feel like we really have the energy to deal with this cultural revolution that's going on outside of the building. And so we just don't say anything, even though we know we're supposed to. And this morning, I just want to suggest to you that there is a simple way that you and I, if we call ourselves followers and disciples of Jesus, can be involved in making disciples and encouraging other people to follow. It is something that all of us can do. It's something that's very simple. And not only is it something all of us can do, and not only is it very simple, it's also the most effective. More effective than the argument, more effective than the debate, more effective than standing on the milk crate in the park and shouting at everybody, more effective than running into and dealing with all the hostilities. Not only is it more simple and something we all can do, it is the most effective way that we can invite other people to follow Jesus. And in fact, if you follow Jesus, my guess is for the majority of us in the room, this is the way that we came to know and love and serve Jesus. We're going to look this morning, and if you have a Bible with you, we're going to look in 
the first chapter of the book of John. John is another book that talks about the life of Jesus. If you're not sure where that is, you know, you get the Bible on your phone. There's some Bibles in the chairs in front of you. You can look in the table of contents. John's in the New Testament. It's the fourth book down, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And so you turn to the first page of John, and we are going to be in that first chapter. And in this first chapter of John, we see an interaction here. Something that takes place, something that happens that is so simple, so simple, yet so effective. And as we think about this task that's before you and before me as people who follow Jesus, people who want to make disciples, but we're not sure how, this is where we see that thing that you can do and I can do no matter who we are. In this first chapter of John, Jesus is calling his disciples. He's walking around and asking those original 12 to follow him. And this is what it says in John chapter 1, verse 43, we're going to be in. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, we read, and he found Philip. So Philip is, is a man that Jesus is calling to be his disciple. And he said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Andrew and Peter are two other guys that Jesus asked to follow him. Now, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Here's what happens here. Jesus is going around and asking these original 12 men to follow him. One of them is named Philip. He goes up to Philip and he says, Philip, follow me. And Philip makes this choice. He makes this decision, a decision that you and I need to make. And that is he's going to follow Jesus with his life. He's going to put his trust into Jesus himself. He's going to put his life into his Hands. And so Philip makes that decision. And that's the decision that you and I have to make. If you and I are going to make disciples, we first have to choose to follow Christ and to make disciples. We have to choose to be the kind of people who are going to follow Jesus, not just follow him when we're in this room, but follow him each and every day of our lives. There's three words that we often use when we talk about the mission that we have here at Mount Hope. They all start with the letter L. This will, this will prove how ineffective or effective we are at communicating our mission uh, as a staff. So it's a little nerve-wracking. Does anyone know what our three words are that begin with the letter L? Learn, love, live. Excellent. Excellent. So someone has picked up on it. That's good news. Learn, love, live. What we're talking about this morning, this is what we say. At Mount Hope, we gather to learn about God. That's what we're doing right now. Grow in our love of him and others. That's what we're doing right now. And then we go. And here's the third word. To live lives driven by our faith. And when we talk about following Jesus, that's what we're talking about. That live component. Being the kind of people who are willing to go out of this place into this world and live out a life with Jesus Christ. So live in a way that people see us and see something different about us. Live in such a way that the love and joy and peace and self-control and all of those things that we talk about within the Bible, all of those things that are supposed to be fruit of following Jesus Christ, actually display themselves in our lives, in the way that we treat our neighbors, in the way that we treat our family, in the way that we treat our coworkers. That those things would take place. 
So when we're serving on the PTO, we're not just serving on the PTO as a parent, we're serving on the PTO as someone who loves and follows Jesus Christ. And when we walk into the office, we're not just walking into the office as an accountant, we're walking into the office as a follower, a follower of Jesus Christ who happens to do accounting. And we're not standing up on our desk and yelling at everybody, but the way that we go about our business, the way that we go about our daily life, as we go to the grocery store, and as we go to work, and as we take the kids to their, to their baseball game, and do all of those things, are done in a way that our faith shines through, that the love of Jesus Christ shines through. That's what we're talking about here. So the first thing that we have to do, if we want to be the kind of people who make disciples, is we have to be the kind of people who are willing to go and to follow Jesus and to love others with no agenda. I was at a conference last Tuesday and one of the speakers was from San Diego. His name's Larry Osborne. Um, he has a small church in San Diego. I think uh, just over 30,000 people, small group. <laughs> and he was saying that his wife served on the PTO of their school for 14 years. 14 years. Never once walked into the PTO and gave a sermon Never once walked into the PTO and told everybody what they should do with their lives. But the way that she handled herself on that PTO over 14 years, uh, Larry Osborne said he can look out in the congregation. It's like looking in Gillette Stadium or something. But he says he can look out in the congregation and he can see the families that have come to the church and more importantly come to follow Jesus just because his wife went out on the PTO and lived life as a follower of Christ. And that's what we're talking about here. All of us can do this. All of us can be the kind of people who walk into our workplace, walk into our homes, walk into our kids' schools, walk into our schools, and live out this life that Jesus is calling us to. You know, it's interesting when Philip meets Jesus here and he decides to follow him, the first place he goes is to his friend Nathaniel. He goes back to his friend. The only thing we know about this guy, Nathaniel, that Philip goes and talks to and says, we found Jesus, the Messiah, is that they were just friends, that they had known each other for a long time. It's exactly what we're talking about here. When Philip became a, a disciple of Jesus, he didn't go first to the stranger. He went back to his friend where he had relationships, where they had grown up together in the same town, in the same place. And he said, I need you to know something. I've just met Jesus, the Messiah. And Philip does something in the next moment that is so simple, so easy. And he doesn't get into an argument. He doesn't have a debate. He just does something so easy and so simple, and it's something you and I can do. It would go a long way in helping to make disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. Look what he does here. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now Nathanael is the skeptic. Nathanael has a little hostility here. Nathanael isn't buying it right off the bat. Nathanael says, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of there? What are you talking about, Philip? Nazareth? Nazareth is this podunk little town that nothing ever happens in. 
See, I picture Nathaniel's reaction being somewhat like the reaction uh, Bostonians give me when they find out I grew up in Nebraska, right? <laughs> so I, they say, well, where'd you grow up? And I say, Nebraska. And they go, Nebraska? Does anything good? Like, what happens? What happens there? Like, what happens in that? But what did you do growing up? How did you live? How did you survive? But that's the kind of reaction, like, Nazareth, what is that place? No one's from Nazareth. Like, what is, what is going on there? And, and, uh, and Philip doesn't even, here's what I want you to do. Philip, Philip doesn't even engage it. Doesn't even engage it. Instead, look what he says. He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip says to him, come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Does anything good come out of Nazareth? Is this Jesus thing have anything to it? Is this, is, this, uh, is this what people say it is? Or is this a bunch of crazy people who are just all wrapped up in this thing that want to think they're better than everybody else? And Philip doesn't even get into it with him. He just says, well, why don't you come and see? Why don't you come and see? And it's such a simple thing that Philip does here. But you know what happens to Nathaniel in the next few verses? Nathaniel comes and he meets Jesus and he follows Jesus himself. It takes one meeting with Jesus Christ for Nathaniel to say, this is the son of God and to follow him with his life. And if you and I are going to make disciples, there is such an easy, effective way to do it that we so often overlook. And that is to just go out and live the life that God calls us to live. And then to say to those people who are around us, our family, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors who need to know about this, you know what? Just come and see. Come and see. Let's not get into a big argument about it. Let's not, let's not have a, a fight about it. Let's not have a debate. Just come and see. Come and see what this is. Come and see, come and meet Jesus. Come listen to what he actually had to say. Stop listening to everybody else tell you what he had to say. Why don't you come and see what Jesus actually had to say? And then you can make a judgment for yourself. Come and see. It's such a simple thing, but it's something that we often overlook. And the best thing about it is it's something that all of us can do. Come and see is the way people come to a church. Come and see is the way people come to Jesus Christ. The reason I'm at Mount Hope is because in 2003, one of my roommates said, hey, I'm involved in this church in Burlington. Come and see. And I came. There's someone sitting in this room right now who was across the street at Dunkin' Donuts a few months ago. And someone else who went to this church, they struck up a conversation and that person said, I go to church right across the street. You should come and see. And both people are in the room this morning. That's how it happens. It doesn't happen with the big campaign. It doesn't happen uh, with the big initiative. It happens because we are willing to go out to the people that we know, our friends, and say to them, come and see what God is doing. Let me ask you this. For those of you who call yourself followers of Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand here. We'll do a little survey. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, how many of you started following Jesus because of someone you knew personally, your family, your friends, or someone that you knew encouraged you to follow. That's me. How many of you, that's the reason you follow? How many of you follow Jesus because a total stranger came up to you and told you you should do it? Anyone? 
Listen, I'm for the Billy Graham crusade and I'm for the tracks and I'm for all of those things. But the most effective way for us to be able to spread the message of Jesus Christ is for you and me to be willing to go to those people that we know and say, come and see. I don't want to get in the big argument. I don't want to get in the big debate, but just come and see. Come and see what it's all about. Come and see what God is doing. Why don't we do this? I think we feel weird about trying to persuade people of things. For some reason, that's a cardinal sin in our, in our culture. That if I have a belief, I would do anything that would try to persuade you to believe the way that I do. That's like a bad deal. However, it happens in our culture all the time. Advertisers are constantly trying to persuade us to buy their products. Political uh, think tanks and, and lobbyists are constantly trying to sway the culture to think the way that they think. People are trying to persuade us to think a certain way and do certain things all the time. And we as Christians who have the answer to this life's greatest problems should be the least uh, worried about offending someone by persuading them to come and see what Jesus is doing. But that's a hard thing for us. Because the culture would shame us into thinking that that's a bad idea. So let me ask you a question this morning. Who do you know that you are close to who's far from God, who needs to come and see? Who do you know that you're close to who's far from God, who needs to come and see? I want to give you some real practical things here that we can do. Last week, uh, I was with a guy by the name of Bob Wise. He's the pastor of our district for the Assemblies of God. So our district is Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. And he's in charge of all the churches. I think there's 182 churches that he oversees. And we were with him last week. He was with our board. And when he hears about what's happening in this building and in this room... He is so excited and blown away. We planted this campus a year and a half ago. Before we planted this campus, for many, many years, there was a very faithful, very loving group of people who met in this place and worshiped God, but it was a small group. And things needed to be revived. And God opened up doors. And we came and we started with, with 40, 50 people from a launch team in our church in Burlington. And last week we had 110 people here. And when I tell Pastor Bob we had 110 people in worship on a Sunday morning, he can't even believe that that's happening. I want you to know God is doing something here. And when we're here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we can kind of forget that. But God is doing an exciting work here in this place where things have gone for two years ago in this building, no one met for church. Today in this building, here we are, worshiping God and honoring him, and some of us had no idea that we would be here two years ago. Some of us in this room never thought in a million years we'd be in church two years from then. But here we are, and God is doing something in this place. And the question is, how does it continue? How do we keep moving forward? How do we invite other people to come and see I want to give you some practical things that we can do in the coming weeks. And this is why we're talking about this right now. There are a number of things that are coming up in the next 
few weeks that I want to encourage us as people who follow Jesus, who want other people to know about his love, to participate in some of these things. Does everyone have their communication card? If you don't have a communication card, we have more in the back. And so maybe one of our ushers can grab them and they'll walk through and they can, uh, they can hand you some. This is what I'd like for you to do. Here's some practical ways that over the next few weeks we can talk to people, build relationships, and say, come and see. I'd like for you to take that communication card and just tear off the connection piece and look on the back of it where the prayer requests are. If you already put them in the bucket, our ushers have more. Uh, You can raise your hand and he'll hand you one. There's a couple of things that are happening that I want you to just think about. First of all, I want to ask you a question. Does anyone know what the largest nation in the world is? What's the largest nation in the world? People-wise, people-wise, population-wise. China, right? 1.3 billion last time I counted. China had 1.3 billion people. Second is India, right? India has over like 1.1 billion people. But do you know what the largest uh, nation in the world is? What the largest group of people in the world is? Right? It's Facebook. Facebook blows them out of the water. 1.7 billion people live on Facebook. All right? So here's, what I, here's one way, one practical way you could say come and see. This is your three-minute mission strip right here. The church has a Facebook account. Mount Hope Belmont has an Instagram account and a Twitter account. Right now on there, there is a picture that promotes all that we're doing in the next few weeks to celebrate Easter. You take three minutes right now, go on Instagram, go on Twitter, go on Facebook, and just share it. Done. Come and see. Here's a couple other things that you could do. I want to throw out there quickly. If you look at this card, in a couple of weeks on a Saturday, right in this building on April 22nd, Some of the people in our church, Patty Sanderson, Deb Cantalupo, are holding a Veterans Day breakfast, or not a Veterans Day breakfast, but a breakfast for veterans to honor those who have served and to reach out to the community and to tell people how we care about them and love them. There's no strings attached. You don't have to come to church here. If you're a veteran, we want to serve you on that day. And so maybe you'd check this box on this card and say, I'd love to help out with the breakfast. I'd love to be there that day. I'd love to be able to meet those people and invite them to come and see Also on April 30th, that's a Sunday morning. Listen closely if you'd like to skip church with uh, no problem on a Sunday. This is your opportunity. Belmont is running a 5K. It's called the Becca Pizzi 5K. If you remember a couple years ago, Becca Pizzi spoke here. She ran the World Marathon Challenge, ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents, and she won the women's race for the entire world. Fairly impressive. And uh, she has a 5K now in Belmont, much shorter and doable. And so the town of Belmont is running that 5K on April 30th. There will be hundreds of people there. Our community is going to gather. We've sponsored that event, so our logo will be there. And Julie Raymond is going to leave a team of runners, all in Mount Hope gear, to run that 5K. It starts at 9.30 in the morning. You go run the 5K. You meet the people in our community. You meet the people in our town. And you tell them, come and see. Come and see what God is doing. Come and see what's happening. On May 20th is the Belmont Town Day. We will have a booth at the Town Day. My goal is to have the booth that everybody talks about when they leave Town Day. Last year we were out there, 7,000 people were on Leonard Street for Town Day. Thousands and thousands of people that we shook hands with and gave out things to. We need help. 
to make town day unbelievable. May 20th, maybe you could help us with that so that we could meet people and say, come and see. I'm constantly challenged by the fact that we have the Belmont Food Pantry in our basement. And did you know hundreds and hundreds of people walk in and out of our building each and every month? Not just the people that are coming to the food pantry, but all the people who are serving. I walked in here the other night on Tuesday night, and right in this hallway were a group of eight high school students who were getting their community service hours at the food pantry. I want them and their families to experience Jesus Christ and know about him, but we need to bridge that gap. Maybe you're interested in helping us bridge that gap, and you could check that box. Maybe you'd say, hey, over the next couple of weeks, I'll invite people to come. Palm Sunday, we have a giant Easter egg hunt for the kids after church next week. I'll invite people to come. Easter Sunday, people that don't usually come to church are open to coming to church. I'll invite people to come. And the last one, the last one I just say maybe to spark your imagination. I had someone in the church come up to me a couple years ago and she said, Pastor Brian, I live on a busy street. Would you make me a yard sign? Like a Mount Hope yard sign? And I never really thought of that before, but I said, yeah, I'll make you a yard sign. And so I did. And here it is. Here is the yard sign. Now you may not want a yard sign. You may not want one of these. That's okay. I understand that. But maybe there's something else that you could do. Or maybe you do want one of these, and that's all right. We could talk about that too. I'd be happy to get you one. But this is one person in our church saying, how can I help people come and see what God's doing? How can I help people do that? And it was a creative way to try and make that happen. And so this is what I'd ask for you to do. I'd ask for you to take that card. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. Listen, maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're in this place. And you're like, listen, I don't really follow Jesus. And the fact that you're talking about this today is really kind of not my thing. It's not really what I'm into. I don't understand what you're talking about. I don't follow Jesus with my life. And what I want you to understand is the reason we talk about this is because we are absolutely convinced that we have found the answer. We're absolutely convinced that we have found the answer to a fulfilling life here and today and for all eternity. And all we want to do is share that with other people out of love. I found a post on, of all places, the Huffington Post, But someone had written a post, someone who was a Christian had written a post trying to explain to other people why it is that we invite them to church and hopefully why they shouldn't be offended. And she writes, the person that has sent you countless emails and texts about next Sunday or called you every Saturday night asking to pick you up in the morning wants for you what they have found. Every card from your grandma with Bible passages written on it She means this for you. Every flyer from your neighbor or old high school friend about another church event means they want this for you. Every invitation to church is an I love you and I want this indescribable love, peace, and joy for you because I genuinely care for you. That's why we do this. It's because we love Jesus and we love people. As the worship team plays, we're going to stand, and I just ask you to consider that card, and how can you be a part of it? And maybe you're not going to check any of those boxes, but you know those lines for the prayer requests? 
The other thing I'd ask you to consider doing is to write the first name of someone. That person that you are close to who is far from God that needs to be invited, that you need to say, come and see, that you would write their first name on that prayer line of the card. We're going to collect these before we leave this morning. And I want to be praying for those people. We don't need the whole name, just the first name with their initials. And we'll be praying stand with me as we prepare to close and let's pray together. Hey, thanks again for listening to this sermon from the Belmont campus of Mount Hope. If you live in the Belmont area, we'd love to have you join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. Or if you'd like to know more about Mount Hope Christian Center with campuses in Burlington and Belmont, Massachusetts, you can visit our website at www.mounthope.org.